welcome to Date Night at the Movies. Or How I Spent My Babysitting Money. I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And this week, we're talking Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. I figured I wanted to do this one because I wanted to see what it was like to take Jessica to a superhero movie that she had no preconceived notions about. None. Yeah. Uh... The the discussion tonight was actually to maybe even go see Aquaman, and my response to her was, Jess, I don't feel like I have the energy to discuss an actual superhero movie with you. I know. However, it would be, and probably will be, extremely entertaining. As as you see, my push and pull of how I might have liked it, but I don't (laughs) Like well, it. I genuinely think sometimes, and of course, you know, your opinions are valid, but sometimes I genuinely think that, like, because you've seen these movies and you like them at the time, and then you leave, and I think you're like, wait, no, I'm supposed to hate these movies, and no, that colors your. No, <laughs> it's not. It's, um, for example, the last Avengers. Mm-hmm. So we'll take that. And I was like, holy crap. And then I thought about it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, because I looked at you at the end of that movie and I went, oh my God, I know how, I know what the next movie is. Yeah. Like I just, we all do, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's just the times we live in where marketing has become an art in itself, you know? Well, we know what the next mo- stupid movie is. And the more I thought about that, the more angry I got. And it was just like, ah, <laughs> And I and I was actually really bummed out after Guardians too, mm-hmm. because I just thought, oh, here we go. Every Marvel's this Marvel is like it, we know what it is, and like Aquaman is just you know trying to break DC out of its rut, and it's just a big old bummer. And however, I still like Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's fun about this is that this was a Marvel movie that didn't feel like a Marvel movie. Well, for one thing, this one it, not only is it animated and yes. you know it's its own thing. But this one exists outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I'm so excited about yeah. it. Um, so shall we do our housekeeping things? Um, drink of the podcast. I don't have... I mean, I made one. Yeah, we I have a drink of the podcast. There's no theme to it, I don't really. think there's a theme. It's just kind of what's available in the house right now. Um, kind of tasty, refreshing. Mm-hmm. This drink is refreshing, and I thought this movie was refreshing. Yeah, so it... It uh, in the postscript it has a theme. Yeah. <laughs> so we have um, lemon infused vodka and club soda because tonic water is nasty. Yes, tonic water is nasty. Crap. It tastes like salt to me. It's kind of like you're drinking watered down olive oil. Yeah, and and we're drinking out of really our fancy china glasses. Mm. Uh, actually, these uh, these is our china from Japan. We, we say we say that we're dining on our fine Japan and nobody gets it and then we're like oh we're those people yeah so um, so it's just a, a tiny drink for um, a youthful movie yes um, and then we may uh, have been the oldest non-parents in this movie I think we were yeah there was a that was so fun I was sat next to gosh this kid must have been seven mm-hmm. it was fun. We had a really good audience. It was fun. There was a ton of teenagers in this movie. Yeah. And that was fun. Like, none of them, and none of them were being annoying teenagers. Well, so, you said, I think it's a great movie for teenagers, especially to see. Uh, especially, you know, in our area, you know, there's a there's a large Hispanic population, African American, uh, Caribbean, and uh, Middle oh, Eastern population. Yes, uh, um, yeah, we have a real, we live in a really diverse neighborhood. Yeah, 
And I thought it was great to see so many, such a diverse group of teenagers in this movie because this is the first Spider-Man movie that doesn't star Peter Parker. Correct. Um, and you didn't know this. I barely, I barely knew about Miles Morales, mostly just because he's a character in the video game, which for all of you PlayStation 4 owners out there, if you haven't played that video game, you are... So missing out. I've played through it like three times. Joey already. has a review on it, right? Yeah, our our friend Joey Razul, uh, when he was working at Collider, I think he did it because now he's at uh, I think he's at Geek and Sundry. He's at Geek and Sundry now. So, but if you take a look at Joey Rasool, um, I guess he did a vi- was it a video? Uh, I mean it it was a it was a review. He did a lot of the game reviews over at oh, okay. uh, Collider. Well, take a look at Joey Rasool's uh, game reviews at Collider. Because uh, I know after that, Jordan went immediately bought this uh, Spider-Man game. So yeah. Um, so, but I know I don't. Other than I grew up with like Tobey Maguire, right? Spider-Man, and I subsequently like stunt-wise, that was the Armstrongs. Uh, mm-hmm. It was Andy Armstrong who coordinated it, and I actually worked with William Spencer, um, who is kind of was a skateboard. Um, I don't know professional but he just did some crazy things on skateboards and they brought in in as one of the doubles for toby mcguire right so um and i got to work with him on a nickelodeon show and so from there i learned a lot about a lot of the gags yeah um on the toby mcguire spider-man um but since then i've really i've not even seen the most recent one with the kid um, that one's actually really good. And I really wanted to see it. Uh, his double's Chris Silcox, mm-hmm. who's an actual buddy of mine. Yeah. Um, and so I really wanted to support Chris, but I was a little uh, Avengered out at the time. Yeah. Well, and the Spider-Man character in the Avengers movie is, is really good. Like, we first saw him in Civil War. Uh, and of course he didn't have much to do. That was mostly them celebrating the fact that Sony finally let them put Spider-Man into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. And well, um, but my only, my complaint about that was in those movies that Tony Stark gave him the suit. Well, and I was like, wow, wow. Well, you, I mean, they kind of had, had two different togs of the podcast. I know so far. Madison was down here. She went upstairs and traded places with Charlie. I think there's something mm-hmm. going on in the backyard because they keep trading places back there. I see them both running by the door. Hey, buddy. Um, yeah, no, like, uh, the Tom Holland Spider-Man character is actually pretty good, and he's actually really good at as it, because he's the first teenager playing a teenager that they've ever had Spider-Man do. <laughs> that totally makes they, sense. They didn't have uh, Luke Perry playing Spider-Man I, in this right. one. Right. Um, but so... How are we going to rate this movie? Uh... I don't know. I, I feel like I've been choosing the last few. I think it's your turn. Uh, I mean, do we want to... In- Spider webs? Uh, spider suits. Spider tokens. Spider token. Yeah, it's something from the game. Well, then veto. I don't know what that is. All right, I'm, I'm trying to throw something out. You got to think of something that we could actually like like carve into quarters. But like there was a, like to. but there was tons of like little the spider people in this movie. They used it to like over people's mouths right. and stuff. How about spider mechs? Mechs. Like the robot in the movie. Oh, guys, this is the most we've ever debated on how we're going to rate a movie. I know. I'm, I tried to leave it open to you, but... Spidey suits. All right, we'll do spidey suits. We'll do spidey suits, because I don't know the other things you talked about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you, and for that, you get to go first. You want me to go first? Yes. All right, next, I'm choosing next time. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go on ahead and give this one like four, four and a quarter. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, like you, like you said, it was really refreshing. Yeah. It was nice to go into something completely oblivious. Um, oh, I yeah, I see what you mean by that. So, so, you know, I, you can kind of peg some of the things as they're going, but like, I didn't know much about anything beyond the Peter Parker Spider-Man really. So like a lot of the things I got to discover as the audience went along. Yeah. Um, I thought that the story was good. I thought it had some really good themes, especially for like kids and teenagers. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what a good Spider-Man story should be because like he's the kid superhero basically. Yeah. Um, and I thought the animation was great. It took me a while to be able to l- have my eyes latch onto the animation. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, I love the music. Yeah. Um, I love the voice acting. I just, I just thought overall it was a really good movie and very layered for an animated kids movie. I will agree with that. The layering to a kids movie is no longer shocking to me because kids movies have gotten very sophisticated over time. Um, I am going to give this a strong four spider suits, mm-hmm. uh, Spidey suits. Um, and I don't foresee that going down. Mm-mm. Um, I th- you, you've heard it here first tonight, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Jessica just gave a superhero movie four out hey, of five. I really liked Tobey Maguire before the dance. Yeah. Oh, they made fun of the dance. It was great. It was great. Um, uh, continue talking about why you liked um, it. I'm sorry. I I really liked it. Um, I'm as far as the um, story of this universe goes. I really like the version where he gets bitten by a spider. Mm-hmm. I know there's other ones out there but I really like this version of the story um I really felt that this movie was inclusive Mm -hmm. and um it was all so we had Miles Morales as the main character and I really appreciated that they didn't water down what his culture living in Brooklyn may could be right um this wasn't a whitewashing of this story and i really appreciate that i really appreciate the animation it felt very comic booky mm-hmm. without feeling like the original batman yeah um and i appreciated its humor um i don't know i just really thought it was very thought out um i mean granted so many um modern day animation animated movies are incredibly thought out i mean uh, if you have been listening to us for a while, we raved about Incredibles 2 and how much we love the originals, original Incredibles. Um, so to me, as far as when I see animated movie now, I don't think it, it, we won't like it. You know, I, it's, right. I, it's not like going back and watching the original Beauty and the Beast, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just, I don't know, I felt like this was a fun adventure. Um, there were times where I didn't know necessarily where the story was going. And I also appreciated, for those of us who don't read comics, I've never read a comic. I know nothing about the comic book universe. I know nothing. Um, I, I've read parts of the comic that She Kills Monsters was inspired off of, mm-hmm. and that's it. So um, I really appreciated where this movie went, and I, I was totally on board. And for those of us who are dummies and don't know anything about the story, I, I could catch up. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Well, too. that's what I was going to ask you. So, just to give everybody uh, kind of a quick summary of what this movie's about. 
So it stars Miles Morales, who in a certain Spider-Man storyline is the new Spider-Man after uh, Peter Parker is actually killed. Uh, so and that's so that was a known thing. Yeah. Um, oh, see, this was new to me. I was yeah. devastated um, about it. And uh, basically, something that Marvel is famous for is that they'll they'll just like do different variations of a story, and they'll call it like Earth Two, Earth Six Thousand Seventy Three, or something like that. And it eventually got really complicated, and they eventually had to like basically have their version of the apocalypse to streamline it again. Oh gosh! It was called Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, but that's did they just kill all the spider peoples? Well, no, this wasn't just Spider Man. This was everybody. Oh, is that kind of what's happening in Avengers? No, that's a specific storyline. Oh boy! Uh, but no, like it. This is why I don't read comic books. Right. So basically, this movie takes that and just like knows that the um, that there's a precedent for there being multiple universes with slight variations, ah. and essentially it brings like six of those universes together, uh, those Spider Mans together. Spider-Men, Spider-People, I guess. Spider-Peoples. Um, and they have to figure out how to basically unscrew up the timeline. Um, so I was going to ask you, as somebody, like, and I, I know very little of it. Like, when I was doing my IMDb, I had to make sure, I was like, is this actually a thing? Uh, Spider-Ham, for example, I had to look up and see if he was actually a thing. <laughs> Spider-Pig. Uh, <laughs> Spider-Pig. I liked Spider-Pig. I did, too. He, this one's Spider-Ham. I like Spider-Pig better, well, Spi- but... Spider-Pig is from The Simpsons. Oh, but Spider-Ham's very funny. Um, Here's this. It'll fit in your pocket. So, if you... So, you, knowing even less than I did, uh-huh. you had a pretty easy time uh, getting along with it? I did. I could see, if you were under the age of maybe six or seven, that this movie could go way over your head. To a degree, I kind of disagree with that. Oh, I mean, I, I think that it's bright. It's it's still a, it's a, a very, as far as, as, this is a, boy, it's a complicated movie. Mm-hmm. It's a complicated storyline, if yeah. you think about it. They streamline it as much as you can, I yeah. think. And, I, but I do think that the greater story of it would be lost on Younger. I'm not saying it wouldn't be very entertaining. Well, where I disagree with that a little bit is that Younger kids are easier to just accept something as it is. Uh, For example, there was more than one lobster at the birth of Jesus. Duh. You know? Um, So I think that it would be easier for a Younger kid to accept the fact, oh, there are lots of different Spider-Men, as opposed to us, where... We have this baggage associated with growing up in the rise of the superhero movie. Um, I can I can totally see where you're coming from. I just accepted as soon as I realized about Miles Morales. Right, he's a star of the movie, so mm-hmm. you have to kind of assume where it's going. Um, I jumped on board right away, mm-hmm. but I'm not a purist in any form of any of this. Yeah. I would be interested to hear somebody who still actively reads the Spider-Man comics and has actually branched out the these expanded stories to see how it holds up for them. Sure, yeah. <coughs> yeah, because um, this, I mean, this is by no means my forte, um, but I do think, as but this, this movie is is complicated um Mm -hmm. is it known about the collision of the universes i mean there's like as far as trailers go i didn't see any trailers for this i i mean 
just based upon the title itself, I think it. I haven't seen any trailers either. It's just accepted that there are, that there are lots of different spider people. Oh, okay. Um, in in terms of like, because I just want to avoid spoilers too for yeah. our listeners who are maybe on your way to the movies or anything we have said right now won't be a spoiler. Okay. Um, because I I I don't know. I would be. I am curious for the people who've been reading and. Uh, kind of how they feel, how this fits into all the Spider Verses, mm-hmm. um, but you know, to me, this was is, was extremely streamlined. It wasn't highly convoluted, um, but I do think it's got, this movie on a, a super young kid they wouldn't get all the nuances, and I don't think that's this the this was very much to me uh, created for teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say other people can't enjoy it, but man, the teenagers in our movie, they didn't pull their cell phones out. They weren't messing with each other. They were into the movie and everybody was laughing. I, well, You know what I loved in our audience today is how many times a line was repeated. Yeah. I mean, it was, something would come on screen and it would get you and somebody, and it there was one kid who did it the most mm-hmm. uh, and it was at that kid. I seemed fairly young, um, but man, there was laughter. There was group laughter, and there's lots of repeating of lines, which I was really fun to me. Yeah, I mean, this was a super engaging movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, How long was it? I mean, ours started at seven. We got out of there at nine. Um, previews. I mean, this was probably an hour and forty-five minutes. I mean, I was. Locked in, yeah, the the whole time. Like I and was, I was is, bummed out once it started winding down. My God, I will say though, any longer with the the coloring of this movie mm-hmm. and the amount of action, I my eyes were starting to get tired. Well, that's one thing. So the animation, once your eyes lock onto it, it's so good. And there are moments where like they have like the little uh, the like motion you, graphics almost. Well. Well, sometimes some of it almost looked uh, motion ca- like not motion capture, but stop motion. Um, I do think I I that feel like some of this was motion capture. I mean, there had to have been some that was motion capture, but like the coloring of it, it's very comic booky. And one thing I was reading yeah. about is that they wanted to capture the vibe of like old school comic books where the coloring wasn't always precise. Um, so like if you look really closely on some of the characters, you can see that the that the colors aren't that like. The colors aren't made of pixels; they're made of dots, like you would, like if you zoomed in really close on like a, on like a Sunday morning, like Mary Hart yeah. comic. Um, the the movement wasn't always super fluid, but then sometimes it was. Um, uh, sometimes, though, and especially in the bottom corners. Uh, that's whenever they would let the colors get a little blurry. Yeah. And for me, I have astigmatism. I think if I would have seen this in my contacts, I would have had a really hard time watching it. You think so? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of the reasons I put my glasses on, just because sometimes with uh, animation, it helps me better that way. Oh, okay. But uh, I have astigmatism, which basically means that I see lights super huge in my eyes. So, you know, that I'm old, I can't drive at night. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> but... um. But sometimes the color blurring kind of made it seem a little astigmatism-y. Uh, it's similar to whenever uh, the second the second Grand Theft Auto game they made in like the modern era 
where it took place in fake Miami. It was like super like neon and art deco and it made it feel like I was driving at night the whole time I played it. Oh, wow. Um, so it took me a little bit to get into the animation on this. Once I did, I was on board and it was great, but it definitely is something that like if you watch it and you feel like, oh God, what is this? Just stick with it because yeah. it's worth it. It is. I. It's just like anything you watch that has a different style than... I mean, it's just like watching new film noir. When you first watch a film noir, you're just like, this is stylized. And then 15 minutes in, you forget it's a style and you just accepted the world. Right. So that's what it was for me, um, not having astigmatism. I just, it was like, okay, I, let me adjust to this world. And I loved the pixelation, actually, mm-hmm. because it made it jump jump out. Yeah. It felt like it jumped off the page, which totally makes sense why comic books are uh, drawn that way. It helps mm-hmm. it, it gives it motion. Um, and you know what this actually reminded me of? What's that? Kick-Ass. Yeah. This totally felt like a flashback to Kick-Ass 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to, for me, I recognized this movie. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel... To me, this wasn't this wasn't a trailblazed movie. Right, I recognized it, and then when Nick Cage comes on, it mm-hmm. was like, oh, it's Kick Ass. Yeah, it this this is I identified with, movie, and I love those movies. Yeah. I love 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 those movies. So to me, I immediately connected with it, and I felt like Miles as Spider Man and Kick Ass felt like the very similar super you know superhero mm-hmm. it was the hero that was needed at the time yeah and um and I loved how they incorporated what our generation understood as Spider-Man like you mm-hmm. had to take the leap and I don't know I just I felt like my teenage years I just identified I knew where this universe was yeah I understood it and I grabbed onto it really quickly yeah it was really easy to get on board with the rules for what the movie was about to set forth yeah and I because I Again, I felt like I, I was like, oh, I know this movie. Mm-hmm. And I, under, I understood that arc very much. Um, um, and, you know, this, t- this takes some twists and turns. Um, but, you know, and you, yeah, it's a, it's a useful movie. So you can kind of, you see where it's going. Mm-hmm. But it has a lot of like really fun things well, going there, on. There were moments in there that even I didn't expect, you know? Yeah. Um, and we'll get to that after the break. Oh, uh, is it spoilery? I mean, I don't. I just don't want to talk about plot points before the break if we can avoid it at all. You Fair know? enough. Um, and because of that, I'm having a hard time thinking of what we want to talk about. Let's talk about music. It was great. Yeah. So the composer for this, uh, I thought that it was Mark Mothersbaugh at first because I thought I'd heard that he did it, um, but then I was mistaken. It was Daniel Pemberton. Do you recognize that name? I do, but I don't know why. You would recognize Daniel Pemberton mostly from uh, Steve Jobs. Oh. Yeah, which the music in in Steve Jobs is just great. Um, Let me pull up what else Daniel Pemberton has done. He he's been doing a lot lately. I mean, he's been and he's been working a lot, like super consistently in uh, England for a long time. Uh, okay. I know he's done a lot of like English, like, you know, documentaries. And I think he even did like some, he started off doing game shows, like on a four track cassette recorder in his, uh, <laughs> in, his in his bedroom whenever he, um, whenever he was like 16. Um, but he's, 
he's a very talented composer. He's pretty young. He's you know on, he's in his early forties. So he did Steve Jobs. He's done the last couple Guy Ritchie movies. So the King Arthur movie and the Man uh, from Uncle. Um, see what else has he done here? He did Ocean's Eight. Um, he's done an episode of Black Mirror. Uh, he's been working with Ridley Scott pretty consistently. So he did All the Money in the World. He did The Counselor. Um, let's see here. He's, I mean, I'm just scrolling over things, and they're things that I'm not immediately familiar with, but, like, this dude works a lot. Uh, and Spitfire Audio actually did, uh, did, like, a feature in his studio, which is still basically just, like, it's separated where, like, his apartment is in one part of it, like, and that's literally just, like, a bed and a mini fridge almost, and his <laughs> studio takes up the rest of it. It's funny. And, like, at the foot of his bed is this synthesizer he spent $20,000 on. It's the Vangelis synthesizer. Oh, wow. Uh, and then right next to that is this seven-foot grand piano, and, oh like, God. he's literally, like, in his pajamas showing the Spitfire guys' <laughs> his studio. It's really cool. <laughs> that's funny. But I liked this. I like the music for this. Uh... It mixed the electronic and the orchestra very well. Um, it was quirky when it needed to be quirky. It was emotional when it needed to be emotional. Um, it fit in with the songs very well, because I think there were a few times where like he basically orchestrated around the songs. That's what it felt like. It felt... Gosh, it just felt integral. Mm. And um, for me, because I'm not often... I don't, I don't always just listen for the the music. Yeah. Um and I, it just fit in. It, fe- it felt like it fit the fluid fluidity of the whole movie. And then the soundtrack, the songs they did choose, uh-huh. oh, they were so good. Yeah. And um, Spider Man's Christmas album. I love Spider Man's Christmas, but I'm yeah. just I'm talking about the things that were sound like not yeah. just but that. But I I just felt I. I just I felt like I dove into the streets mm-hmm. of where this universe was, and yeah. I just I thought the mu- music was really good, and then the kind of the big battle, mm-hmm. um, and there's lots of battles, but the final battle, the the music was so good, and it so yeah. it was it was really really fitting. Um, I I did you feel like did you hear the Spider Man theme? They played it in a couple of places, but uh, I mean obviously credits don't count. Well, there was one place at the beginning. So one recurring theme through this movie. Again, we maybe this is a spoiler for you, but it's not giving away anything really. Is that there are multiple spider people in this movie, and uh, there's a recurring joke in there where every time one of them gets introduced, they're like, "Okay, let's start this again," and then they like tell their backstory. Yeah, and that's actually uh, a comment on because you know Spider-Man has been re- uh, rebooted three times, not including this movie, in the last decade. Correct. Um. So, so, and then one criticism for all the Spider-Man movies is there's like, how many more damn times do we need to see Uncle Ben die? Oh, I know. Yeah. So, so I think that's commenting on like, you know, we're just going to speed through all of this and just get it yeah, out of the way. I really, I um, really, really dug how they did that yeah, too. But whenever uh, you hear the first Spider-Man, which I didn't realize that's Chris Pine was the... Oh, that was Chris Pine. Yeah. Um... And he talks about, you know, like, you know, I do this, I do this, I do this. I even have a really great theme song. And they play a snippet of the Spider-Man yeah. theme song. Yeah. I That, to me, I meant more throughout the whole movie. No, throughout the whole movie, they didn't do the Spider-Man, Spider-Man a lot. They should have they should have pulled out the Aerosmith Spider-Man from the first hey, Tobey Maguire movie. I did that. I, and, then, I, and then follow it up immediately with Nickelback. 
Oh, no. <laughs> we want to like the movie. Yeah. Because um, I, I kept kind of listening for Miles' theme. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like I got it. This movie, I mean, of course, I was just watching it for the movie. Normally, I'm able to pick out themes and stuff in a score whenever I've watched it a second or a third time. Uh, so that won't be happening with Holmes and Watson. Uh, <laughs> no. That music is just going to die in my memory. Um, <laughs> gonna just let it be. Yeah. But uh, but I, I didn't hear a whole lot of just like super overarching themes. I heard like the emotional theme in there, and that was pretty easy to pick out. Uh, but in terms of just like individual character themes, I didn't hear a whole lot. Now there were. It- well, I was just I was kind of hoping to latch onto the Miles theme. I'm not humming this score no. in my head right now. Well, and that's that's been a pretty common thing with a lot of scores, even scores that I love, is that I'm not humming the music afterwards. You know. Um, now what this what the music seemed to do in this one, or at least my interpretation of it, is that it's not about writing themes for each character. It's about shifting tones for the characters, uh, and it does that very well. And that's yeah. kind of a that's kind of a Thomas Newman approach because uh, in a lot of Thomas Newman scores, like there are definitely themes that you can pick out. You you recognize the theme for uh, a series of unfortunate events in American Beauty and Road to Perdition, things like that. I, one of the clearest uh, Thomas Newmans to me is Saving Mr. Banks. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I hear that score. And there's the really happy one too. Yeah. At the beginning. No. I'm humming that one very wrong, but it's like whenever they, whenever they're like making the train. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to me, that's one of my favorite Thomas Newman scores. Yeah. Um, and maybe this is, do you feel like this is maybe a kid movie thing where, and again, I'm not looking for character themes. I I, I do wish there was a Miles one mm-hmm. in a way, like his Spider-Man theme song at one point. I yeah. didn't hear that at any time. Um, I'm more, ta- I so I wish I could could have heard that as opposed to, I wasn't interested in hearing every character's theme song. I mm-hmm. wanted to hear what Miles sounded like yeah. in a way. But do you think it's common for kids' movies to really focus on tone to kind of help steer you? Because as a kid, you're still really learning how you're re- how to react to things. Like um, maybe uh, the only places where I would disagree with that is pretty much anything Michael Giacchino does. Because Michael Giacchino is really good at writing themes. And so, like, whenever he does a Pixar movie, for example, there there are character themes and situational themes all over the place. Um, so, I'm not sure. I think with this movie, it was the right call not to do, like, character themes. Oh, okay. Because, I mean... Essentially, there are six main characters before you even get to the villains in this movie. Oh, true. It so, is, there's it's a lot to it was a lot to juggle, but yeah. I didn't think it was hard to juggle, so that was fun. Yeah, um, but like you know, there are moments with Spider Ham where it all of a sudden becomes like Looney Tunes. You know, yeah, and I did notice that. That was really funny. Yeah, and uh, and Spider Noir or Spider Man Noir, you know, his his got a little like jazzy, you know, little thirties yeah. and things like that. Um, no, I heard all of that, especially in their introductions. Yeah, um, I, 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 I was more just talking. I really wanted to hear what Miles sounded like. Yeah, well, I think where you really get that, be- I mean, in this particular movie, whether it's an overarching thing in kids' movies or not, is that it took Miles till the last act of the movie to really find himself. 
That's fair. So I don't think that he really had a theme to be played. Uh, and then, you know, they do the song there, which uh, I think the song was Post Malone. Um, I'm not sure. But uh, whenever he finally puts on the suit and he finally takes ownership of himself. Uh, so, and that's a pretty common thing to happen in like kids' movies like this is that the theme is really more a piece of the soundtrack as opposed to the score. Yeah. Well, I really love the soundtrack for this. Yeah. I, I thought music overall was just a slam dunk. Agreed. I agreed. I really liked it. Yeah. Well, if you're on your way to the theater right now, I think you're re- I think you're gonna really enjoy this movie, and I think it's time for a break so we can get into spoiler territory. Yeah, uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back, and we'll actually start uh, talking about the movie instead of stalling for time. I know, right. <laughs> looked at all those insta celebrities and been like where do you get your raw jewelry because it's gorgeous or where did you get that female empowerment shirt because i need one but then you think to yourself i don't want to go shopping because it's too selfish what if i could tell you you could get awesome apparel awesome jewelry and it gives back you need to check out rocks jewelry shop that's right rocks r-o-x Rock's Jewelry Shop has amazing jewelry, and I just got a shirt that says, those females are strong as hell. Thank you, Kimmy Schmidt. You can check out Rock's Jewelry Shop online, and with code DATENIGHT, you'll get 15% off. So head on over to Rock's, R-O-X, Jewelry Shop.com, code DATENIGHT for 15% off. And welcome back to Date Night the Movies. We have Charlie with us talking Sony Pictures, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, he just started crying at us and I literally stopped scratching his back. So I'm just sitting here scratching a Charlie back right now. <laughs> Hi, buddy. So we've actually had a dog of the podcast this whole time. He's getting lots of head scratches as we talk about superheroes and spider hams. In case you're just joining us, Jessica found a superhero movie that she likes, and that's really weird. <laughs> you know, to me, this felt like more... So I think what I like about Spider-Man is it's a coming-of-age story, mm-hmm. and I just really dug... I don't know, like this one... This one was fun because this could be anybody's story for once, mm-hmm. as opposed to watching, like we, so we talked about Vice, the white dude's story. Mm-hmm. We talked about Elf, Elf, you, none of us are elves, and it's yeah. Will Ferrell, and then we watched Holmes and Watson, and nobody relates to that's, it. That's a movie for, and a story for no one. <laughs> <laughs> So, I think I am going to have to go on record and revise something. I was pretty generous with Holmes and Watson. I gave them a two. Uh, I'm really thinking now it's more like one and a quarter. Mm. It, the more I think about it, the more angry it makes me. This might be, to me, even worse than The Predator. Well, The Predator at least had moments of true glory. Yeah, The Predator actually tricked us into thinking it was going to be a good movie. This one just kind of raised my hopes and let me it down. It was bad. Yeah. The whole thing, there was like, because when we talked about The Predator, at least there were moments, like the, the lab, where it was truly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like 100% truly entertaining. And The Nun, it had moments where it was like, <laughs> right? You know, it resembled yeah. a movie. It wasn't quite a movie, but it was this ridiculous ride. Yeah. Holmes and Watson just decided not to go on any ride. Yeah. And yeah. now circling back, I thought like Spider-Man, this, what I really love about the Spider-Man character, it's coming of age mm-hmm. and he is 
Oh, I think of all this when I think of the Marvel universe, like the most selfless. Yeah, and not to say he doesn't do it for his own glory and because he thinks it's fun or whatever. You, I you really need to see Spider Man Homecoming. I think I think you would actually pretty much, pretty well connect with it like that. Oh yeah, mm, I, it is it is to me on par with like Spider Man Two. Oh okay. Yeah, like the the original Spider Man Two, not Amazing Spider Man Two, because I don't want to bleep things, but. Do something to that movie, you know. Which one was that? The one that we both fell asleep in, the second Andrew oh, Garfield one. Napped hard. Yeah, that was a bad movie. It was a bad movie. Napped yeah. hard. Now the first Amazing Spider-Man was actually pretty okay. I don't remember it. I don't think you ever watched it all the way through. I think we watched it a little <laughs> bit at your parents' house. Oh, and it's it's fine. It has Martin Sheen as Uncle Ben, so that immediately gives it an extra star. Hmm. Um. You know, and James Horner's music to it was pretty good. And mm-hmm. that was just cool to me because I was like, wow, James Horner doing a modern superhero movie. Uh, but yeah, Amazing Spider-Man 2 was pretty awful. Um, I would even consider that worse than Spider-Man 3. Oof. Yeah. Um, but Spider-Man Homecoming, I think, is on par with Spider-Man 2. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and I, I've really... This to me, too, you know, I feel like often in in our podcast, we talk about being seen and inclusivity and to me i i got really excited when gwen came on Mm -hmm. you know i i got to see this rad girl yeah um i got to i feel like there's a lot of identification that can go on in this universe that Mm -hmm. they created um and i kind of dug a Spider-Man that screwed up. Yeah. I P- Peter B. Parker was actually a great character. Really great. And d- that wanted, that is a hero, but wanted to save the day, right? Mm-hmm. Wanted to be the hero because he was too scared to go back to his universe. Yeah. So uh, it goes without saying we're in spoiler territory Oh, now. we are we are in it to win it. All right. Let's talk about the individual spider people. Okay. All right. So we'll save like Miles for a little later. Okay. Um, Spider-Ham. I love Spider-Ham. I did too. You know who voiced him? Uh-uh. John Mulaney. Oh. Yeah. Hysterical. My favorite, he has my favorite line in the movie, by the way. Which one is Wh- yours? Whenever they're like, you know, are you ready to get up every time you get hit down? Are you ready to, you know, stand up for what you believe in? And he's just like, are you are you able to float through the air when you smell a delicious pie? And he starts floating <laughs> through the air like a Looney Tunes character. My favorite is when he's about to go back into his uh, into his portal. Mm-hmm. He's like, and he gives him the sledgehammer. He goes, this will fit in your pocket. Yeah, he, it's like an emotional goodbye. <laughs> and then he gives him one of those big wooden mallets that you always see like <laughs> like Roger Rabbit Yeah, have. come as if from nowhere. Yeah, and he, he's just like, I want you to have this. It'll fit in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, so And then good. when things are getting sucked into the portal at the end, one of the last thing that hits it is his anvil. <laughs> so well, I like how the anvil came out of nowhere to like mm-hmm. re- to go on one of the the bad scorpion mm-hmm. dude. Um, I just yeah I I loved I love Spider Ham. One thing I loved about him I don't know if you noticed this as much is that his nostrils were the same as his eyes. Oh, were they? Yeah. So like whenever his eyes would move and like a different uh, a different expression, his nostrils were doing uh, at least a similar thing, if not the exact same thing. That's funny. All right, um, Spider-Man Noir. Um, so silly. Yeah. 
That uh, character was so silly. I that's loved... Nicolas Cage, by the way. Oh, which was perfect casting. It, and it, what I like about it, because with Nicolas Cage, and we we do have Mandy on the docket in the next couple of days, too. Like, we've been promising since forever. I know, just um, so much. But uh, whenever he is just, like, doing something for the fun of it, I mean, he always just leans into it. Uh, and I could really feel him leaning into this character. Oh, I agree. Yeah. It Again, it felt like, um, what was his character's name in Kick-Ass? Uh, Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Felt like Big Daddy. Yeah. It felt like Nick Cage knew knew this territory well. Uh-huh. Um, I loved that um, it was written and performed in the theme of noir. The almost like yeah. he breaks it a little bit to go in with the flow, but he's always responding to things in a noir way. Yeah. Um, I loved his uh, his disbelief about the Rubik's cube. I love that, and I love how he's like, and I'm taking this. I will understand it. Yeah. Uh, well, and the thing is, is that, like, if you notice in his flashbacks, everything was black and white there. So, like, he genuinely could not see color. <laughs> Which I loved. Yeah. <laughs> Purple. Um, you no. know, Nick Cage is a huge comic book geek. I assumed as much. Um, his, his stage name, because you know his real name is Nicholas Coppola, and he is, his uncle is Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he changed his name because, you know, he wanted to make it on his own. Uh, he chose Cage after Luke Cage. Really? Yeah, and one of his... <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> oh, it gets better. It gets better. One of his kids, one of his sons is named Kal-El, which is Nuh-uh. Superman's birth name. Nuh-uh. Yeah. That's not it. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but he's fun. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, um, um, I, I just, I <laughs> loved that, uh, and we're talking about all of them, but I loved how each of them had... Yeah, they all had the same origin story, which mm-hmm. I thought was really fun, how they addressed that and how most of them were like running at some point as yeah. this is happening. But I really appreciated that they told it in kind of their own genre, which was really fun too. Yeah. Okay, uh, Penny Parker and uh, I, I, it, her mecca. It's actually, it's like SP-DR or slash slash DR or something like that. But Penny Parker, um, I thought she was great. I did too. I didn't get at first that it. She explained it naturally, but she has a con, she has a psychic connection to the spider that was in the robot. Mm-hmm. But then the robot perished, mm-hmm. and she was heartbroken. But the spider was okay. Well, so I think what it was because I was wondering about that too. Because I was like, wait a minute, is the robot its own sentient being? Um, right. I think what it was is that at first she thought the spider was dead. Then she found out it was okay, uh, but that she uh, that she lost her familiarity that she has with the spider because when the spider's in the robot, she could hug it. She could she could play with it. She could okay. you know go inside of it and help control it. So that was her realizing, oh, I've lost this right now. Right. That okay. That I can, okay. I get that now. Yeah. Um, I I just thought it was such a unique way of her connecting mm-hmm. to that, and um, I just really liked that her super like kind of her super spite. She had the spidey sense, but um, that it was super high tech. Cause she's from the what from the year like thirty thirty one or something, something like that. So um, I just thought I just really liked. That version of it. We're having a uh, Charlie debacle at the moment. 
do you not want to go outside? Um, but I really, I just really liked her character. And I loved um, when she came on, there was a bunch of kids in the audience who were like, anime, it's anime. Yeah. And I just loved that. Um, yeah, I really liked her too. Uh, all of these characters are animated in their own ways too. Like it's not, there's not like a singular form of animation no. for everybody. Uh, and the way that they react to the world around them is yeah. specific as well. Like, Spider-Ham is very Looney Tunes, and we've already talked about that, and she is drawn like a straight-up anime character. Yeah, oh, and, I mean, kids flipped out. Yeah. And again, this is another thing that I just loved about this movie. You could connect to a completely different part of it, and Penny had just as much... I mean, this definitely is a Miles story, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But you could, you had, she had as much screen time mm-hmm. as all those other spider people. So if anime was your thing, yeah. you could really... And she had successes and got to battle. Um, and the same with the noir character and the same uh, with Spider... Spider-Ham had a little less... But Spider Ham was used perfectly. Uh, yeah, I don't think they could have. They should have used him anymore. I well, Spider Ham came at the perfect moment. Yeah, and and it was kind of when you kind of forgot that Spider Ham was a thing, mm-hmm. and then Spider Ham would come to the rescue. It was pretty yeah. great. Uh, Penny Parker was voiced by uh, I can't remember her name, but she is uh, so so on uh, Orange Is the New Black. Okay, cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, let's talk. Let's talk the first Spider Man that we see. Uh, so spoilers, 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 the Spider-Man who dies. I mean, you said it in the beginning. Well, I said that's Miles' story. Oh, well, anywho, Spider-Man dies, which I don't know uh, Miles' story, so I was like, ah, ah, Right, well, and like, you know, I I figured they were gonna, you know, I just, like I said, I just got off playing the video game, and Miles is a playable character in there. You still mostly follow Peter Parker, but they have Miles in there, and you play him at some levels. And then at the end, Miles gets bitten by a radioactive spider. I can't remember what the lead-up to that is. And then at the end, he finally tells Peter, hey, I have something to show you. And then he flips upside down and like is walking on the ceiling, and Peter does the same thing for him. Yeah. So the video game universe, which is separate from all the other ones too, is setting up that Miles and Peter are going to coexist, I think. So oh, I, that would be cool. So I didn't necessarily expect Peter Parker to die. I honestly thought that maybe he wasn't actually dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I, thought, I was so shocked. Yeah, I mean, that was really... There's some intense stuff in here for a kid's movie. Well, but I feel like that's something that um, I felt was familiar in this. In Again, this is also why I identified this with Kick-Ass, because mm-hmm. that's, that's heavy. Yeah. Um, I felt that traditionally Spider-Man really deals with some true sorrow. I mean, I'm really glad we didn't watch Uncle Ben die again. Yeah. Um, A quick Uncle Ben note. So there is the line in there with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. That was uh, that was an audio clip lifted from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. So that was Cliff Robertson saying that. That's what I thought. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I... but the third movie, notwithstanding, I love that universe. Yeah, I love, I love, um, in which um, that was Jerry Haberstad. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of her first uh, big gigs. She was Kirsten Dunst stunt double. That's cool. And that was kind of her kickoff. And Jeff was the coordinator for those ones. Uh-huh. Um, 
Andy did the amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield, mm-hmm. um, but Jeff did the, those ones. So I just love that somebody who's like one of my closest friends now, uh-huh. I was watching in high school, her yeah. stunt career really start. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's flipping cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I liked uh, that Spider-Man. That was the one that Chris Pine voiced. Uh, okay. He, in his introduction, he was he was very Chris Pine, so he was funny, he was charismatic. Um he has a great delivery whenever uh, Miles ends up getting caught in uh, in the fight between Spider-Man and Green Goblin uh, and Kingpin. Oh, I loved how they animated the villains in this. Yeah. I loved... I also... I just loved... We've gotten so accustomed to seeing bad guys be people. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved... I loved that animation does... You don't have to do that. Yeah. Well, let's get to the villains in a little bit. I know. Okay. Uh, so, um, but there, the line that I really liked in there is whenever he sees Miles, like you know, sticking to the ceiling or something, and they finally go face to face, and he sets up the theme of the movie, which was "I thought I was the only one," and, and that he loves that. Yeah, like, and it's not him getting like super excited about it either. He's just like, "Oh, I thought I was the only one. Oh, okay, you need me to show you how to do this. We're gonna do this." And like he says that in the middle of a fight, like he's just ready to be like, "I need to help you with this because I understand how hard it is." Well, and I just love, you know, t- traditionally whenever you have superheroes collide, there's all this jealousy yeah. because you have to be superior, mm-hmm. like you are superior. Yeah. And it was so awesome that he was just like, sweet, I'm not the only one. Yeah. Uh, and then and then he dies. Uh, I know. Yeah, Kingpin kills him mercilessly. Man, and Kingpin is evil. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. I know. Uh, while we're talking about this one, let's talk about uh, Mary Jane. I like Mary Jane in this movie, too. I think so. It's really hard to tell. Well, well here's the thing is that Mary Jane, if you, don't do Mary, if you don't do Mary Jane right, then she is just Spider-Man's girlfriend, Spider-Man's gal pal, you know? Yeah. Um, what I thought that the speech that she gave was very well written. And it was uh, Zoe Kravitz who voiced her. Okay. Um, and I thought that she delivered it very well. Um, she didn't have a lot to do in this movie because obviously uh, nobody else has a direct connection with that Mary Jane. But right. uh, I thought that she was really good. I, I did like how Peter B. Parker did respond to her mm-hmm. whenever he's face to face with her. and Yeah. And you learn about kind of his... I, I really loved his character because mm-hmm. he's really not the gleaming Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, he's Spider-Man who's just been doing it too long. Well, he's, you know, he's middle-aged Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, I did, I did the math. He was, uh, he was 38 because he'd been doing it for 22 years. Okay. Um, you know, he and Mary Jane got, they split up. Uh, he made a bad investment with TGI Spideys. Uh, and he was like, never invest in a Spider-Man themed restaurant. Um, he's living alone in his apartment. He says he's working out. He's really eating pizza. That's something I can relate to. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he already buried Aunt May. So whenever he goes to this universe and he sees Aunt May and he sees Mary Jane, he's like, he's just beside himself because, he, like, you know, obviously he can't do anything to see Aunt May again in his uh, universe. Right. But, um, like, but he's like, wait. My Mary Jane doesn't want me back. This Mary Jane just lost her Peter. What if? And then they have to snap him back into reality. And that's just a very real reaction, you know? Yeah, I yeah, I I just really I felt really real. And again, I 
I felt like each spider person allowed someone to connect to them. Yeah. And I felt like I really got this Peter Mm -hmm. and I just felt like my heart was so thrilled to see him have successes and get another chance. Yeah. Whenever they're successful at the end of the movie. Uh, and he and Miles had really good chemistry together too. I agree. And I I love you see this like subtle change with him over the time. I just thought that the writing for this was on point. Mm-hmm. Everybody had a clear voice. It, it was just it was so good. Um, I loved the Aunt May in this movie. I do too. She's such uh, a badass. Wait, so Peter B. Parker, that was Jake Johnson from New Girl and yes. Jurassic World. Uh, Aunt May was Lily Tomlin. Perfect. Yeah. She was such a badass. Yeah. And I, I thought she I thought she was great and her response to seeing Peter again was great. Uh, where, you know, she goes to him and then, you know, everybody kind of comments on how fat he's gotten and things like that. <laughs> no, and he's like, I get it. I get it. I get yeah. it. I get it. But uh, then you find out that she's like the she's like the mastermind behind a lot of Spider Man's gadgets in this universe. Uh, so now that we talked about the two Peter Parkers, uh, one thing I don't know if you caught on this, and I didn't imagine that you would, but the this universe that like the story takes place in, that's not so like Spider Man is accepted to like be a real superhero in real life, in in terms of the rules that the story traditionally traditionally puts together. Well, he's not. Hold on, say that again. So. It's accepted in the Spider-Man in the main Spider-Man universe, whether it's the movies or the comics or something like that. Uh-huh. That that is something that happens in our existence. Got it. Uh, so well, that got real meta, right? So <laughs> this, so this universe that it takes place in is not our existence. Our existence is the one that Peter B. Parker comes from. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, the Miles Morales and the blonde, the blonde Peter Parker. That uh, is a that is an alternate universe to our existence. Got it. Yeah, understood. Got it. Still, <coughs> so I just kind thought, of blows my mind. Yeah, I just thought that was inter- that was interesting, and that's what I was talking about earlier. I think uh, if I had explained that to like a seven year old, they would be like, "Yeah." Well, they would be like, "Yeah," but they're also like. I don't know what this dude's talking about. He's old. I don't know. He's a crazy person. Don't you speak for the youth? <laughs> <laughs> don't you tell him my business? Um, I, I, oh, and also what was really cool. Uh, can we talk about the villains? We have one more main character to talk about. Gwen Stacy. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, apparently, so I looked, I looked this up. And all of the heroes in this movie are from actual Spider-Man comics, uh, even Spider-Ham. Now, I still think that Spider-Ham probably came from the Simpsons movie because that's Spider where they did Spider-Pig. Spider-Pig. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, there is, and there is a comic book universe where Gwen Stacy is Spider-Woman. Um, oh, yeah. I loved it. Now, Gwen Stacy in another universe is Peter Parker. Girlfriend. Girlfriend. Uh, in the in the original comic line, uh, that was Spider Man's first huge failure. Like besides Uncle Ben, because Green Goblin basically kidnaps her, throws her off the Brooklyn Bridge, and he catches her with it with her with his web. But it, she's too close to the water, and she's already had hit like terminal velocity. So whenever he catches her, it snaps her neck back. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that was in. Oh, we saw that. Yeah, that's in Amazing Spider Man too. Uh, Emma Stone played. Uh, yeah. 
Yes. Um, So I thought it was cool to see Gwen Stacy actually get to do something because normally they just save her to be the sacrificial lamb, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I remember that one was very, very sad. Mm -hmm. That was very sad. But I loved seeing her be awesome. She was a great character. She was voiced by Haley Steinfeld. Uh, or Steinfeld. Um, she's in all the Pitch Perfect movies. She was okay. the main character in True Grit. Okay. Uh, she's been yeah. in a lot of stuff, but I mostly know her from True Grit. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I loved, she was, she was peppery, but she was also sweet. And I also just loved her perspective of what it feels like to be truly hurt. Yeah. That in her universe, losing Peter was dreadful. Yeah. And she takes on a very traditional stance on the superhero of, I can't have friends Mm -hmm. because they become targets. Yeah. Um, I can't have friends because it hurts too much. Right. And I, I just really, I, I just appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Let's talk villains. Okay. All right, what do you want to talk about? I like the Octa lady. Yes, so Doc Ock in this movie. <laughs> I like uh, that was so tw- much. That was a twist I did not see coming. I didn't see. Yeah, so... Because I, so, I loved how they played the video in class, and yeah. you see her, and you just think... I honestly thought it was like an old video. I didn't think that this would be a character to pay attention to right. at all. Right, it's, it's this uh, geeky-looking, like, almost middle-aged woman with glasses, and, like, you know, huge hair pulled back. And you like, and whenever you first see her, she's like very sympathetic, and you you think that she's going to be the scientist who's doing working for Kingpin against her will, uh, and all that but stuff. But she totally it, does it it's, on purpose when she makes that turn. So like, basically, one of the plot points in here is that everybody from the alternate universes, their atoms are degrading, and eventually they'll just die. And she's talking about that. She's like, "Oh, that must be so painful for you." And I want to assure you. I cannot wait to watch it happen. It was so scary. I know. So, it was Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn. Can and, you believe it? Well, and once I once I saw that in the credits, I'm like, oh, of course that was Catherine Hahn. They even made her look like Catherine Hahn. Oh yeah. Um, but then it, you find out that she's Doc Ock. Uh, it's she's so this universe's Doctor Octopus, uh, which with, I love because I don't. I didn't love the previous Doc Ock's. You you didn't like Alfred Molina? He was fine, but now that I've seen this, uh-huh. she's my favorite. Yeah. Um, no, she she was great, and she was uh, she, she was very very villainous, and like she just it's hard it's hard for me to talk about it without it just sounding like I'm skimming the surface, just because like there are so many great moments with her. I uh, agree, and I just but I love how gosh like the way that her tentacles moved. Yeah. I, like Alfred Molina I, is great, but uh-huh. it felt very CGI. Right. Again, oh, and I guess I didn't really get to talk about this because we were like, not villains yet. But it was so cool that this didn't have to be animated people. Right. Because it was animation. I loved how they did the Green Goblin. Yeah. So- oh, I just loved it. And so for her, the way that her natural movement was, mm-hmm. was scary well and i love that her tentacles were uh like air based as opposed to being just like mechanical like they weren't they weren't robotic like it, they were like tubes that she would expand and contract with air however she needed them yeah and i i thought that was just a really clever twist on it you know yeah i agree um no she was she was great uh i really liked their green goblin here that's taken from uh back in the early 2000s when we were younger youthful uh, yes um 
Marvel did a series that was called Ultimate Marvel, which was like a different twist on everything. Okay. Uh, and I remember reading the Ultimate Marvel Spider-Man, and it was very close to the uh, to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man from 2002. Oh, okay. Um, but one thing that they did differently, so Green Goblin has always been Norman Osborn, who is the head of Oscorp in this universe, and he's totally. also uh, he's also Harry Osborn's dad, and Harry Osborn is Peter Parker's best friend. Um, that's right. So, and normal, <clears throat> right. Normally, that was James Franco. Right. So normally, uh, the green goblin is Norman Osborn after work dressed up in a mask and a suit and stuff like that. Right. And the ultimate Spider-Man, it was based upon an experiment gone wrong still, just like in the movie. But instead of it being just like a mental thing, like he turned into an actual like hulking goblin. And that's kind of what they did in this movie. It was cool. Yeah, and I liked how, like, it wasn't just, like, a mindless monster. Like, you know, it was still Peter being like, Norman, you shouldn't be doing this, and him responding back to it. Uh, you know, so I, I also really liked it. It was really dark, so so basically Green Goblin catches Spider-Man and shoves his face into the dimensional portal, and that eventually causes it to blow up. And that's what, like, mortally injures Spider-Man, but it flat out just kills the Green Goblin. Yeah. Yeah, you you see like his hand sitting out of some rubble and he's just lying there dead. It's crazy. Yeah. They no no one no one comes unscathed in this movie. No. Um and it, you know it being animated, you would think you have distance, but gosh, I was really devastated after that and that that first battle. Yeah. Um I don't I I I also like the the scorpion, like the lucha libre, yeah, scorpion. Um, he was. They were the, the villains were scary. They were, and I that I it made me feel fearful mm-hmm. in these battles. Like, and because they killed the the first Peter Parker, uh-huh. I felt no one was safe. Yeah, I almost felt in a way that not even Miles was safe. They drew Barrymore at us. Oh yeah, yeah from Scream. Totally. Like, yeah. oh, if they can kill Drew Barrymore, uh-huh. they'll kill anybody. Um, yeah, no, I liked what they what they did with the Scorpion specifically is how they kept introducing new aspects of his powers. Yeah. Uh, like, it wasn't just like he came out and then he's like, ah, 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 like The Rock whenever he was the Scorpion King. Ooh, uh, talking about a rough movie. Right. Uh, but what I liked about this, about this scorpion is that, like, in the first battle, you saw him, like, oh, he's fighting with his tail. Then the second battle, like, his legs spread apart, he's, and he's, bling! yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's great. Um, the Prowler, I thought was, I thought was great, and which yeah. turns out, spoiler alert, that's Aaron Davis, Miles' uncle. Yeah, and, and I just... In Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, Donald Glover plays Aaron Davis. Ooh. Because in one of the animated... So what's the story of Aaron Davis? So, real quick, in one of the animated series, when they first introduced Miles Morales, uh, Donald Glover was the voice of Miles Morales. Aww. Yeah, and then they, they tried to... There was a fan petition whenever they did Spider-Man Homecoming to let Donald Glover be... Uh, be Spider-Man because, and that came from an episode of Community where he has Spider-Man pajamas and everybody's like look at him he looks great that's adorable so but I mean by the time they did that he was already in his mid-30s and he's too old so we they, need a teenager so they cast him as uh, Aaron Davis so I, again I don't know as much about the Miles Morales stuff but I know I know that you know everything I've heard is pretty much the same uh, you know, his parents are an interracial couple. His mother is Hispanic and his father is African-American. Yeah. Uh, his father's a cop and then his uncle is a criminal. And I think in the comics, his uncle 
is like a villain like that too. Now, it, did he get just wrapped up in the wrong people, offered a lot of money to do? That, I don't know. I don't know okay. the backstory of how he becomes the Prowler. I, but I know that like in Spider-Man Homecoming, for example, he's he's like an arms dealer. And you, oh. you see him because in Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, Michael Keaton playing the Vulture, basically they're scavenging all of the alien technology from the end of the first Avengers movie. Oh, and interesting. when the government shuts them down, they still keep some of it, and they're turning it into weapons and selling it. And so you see Aaron Crazy. Davis; he, he's going to buy he's going to buy guns, and he's just like, "No, this is too much. I don't want this." And then whenever he eventually talks to Spider Man, because uh, he gives him some information, he's ba- he basically says, "I've got a nephew around here. I don't want these things on the street." That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I just I um, and we you know we need to talk more about Miles because I just think. I want, I just rooted for him yeah. and I found his character extremely endearing mm-hmm. and then I just, I loved their family. Yeah. I loved... It was a great family dynamic. Yeah, and it felt, I don't know, it just, I I, lo- I also loved, you know, they're ta- he was bringing up like leaving Brooklyn and his mom was like, we don't just leave. Yeah. And, and, and it was a lot of like, you know, stereotypical kind of things, but I loved that they gave them really good jobs like a cop and I think his mom was a nurse uh-huh. and and really hardworking people and it immediately made you feel like Miles comes from this grounded place yeah and that um they wanted to be working really hard and I, I just they really set up for the movie to have a lot of heartwarming successes yeah that could be could have been totally cliche but I got wrapped up in it and I totally no, I thought, bought it I thought they did it right I thought that they set up the themes strongly enough to where any of the cliche stuff like it's like yeah why wouldn't I forgive that why wouldn't I like it yeah you know and that's kind of how I felt okay here's a big question mm-hmm. at the end Miles goes to his dad and his dad's kind of a hero at the end of this movie too, oh, which yeah. I totally love. So not only is Miles a hero, so is his dad. Yeah, and uh, which is which kind of his. So I've kind of got two questions because his dad talks about not really loving the vigilante way of working that right. Spider Man has. Miles is there whenever his uncle dies right. in this movie, and his dad kind of sees that. And then, so my first question, I have two questions. My first question is, um, do you feel, I felt like the dad at first was angry about that. So what did you feel about whenever his dad saw Spider-Man? But obviously a weird looking Spider-Man. And then the second question I have, because I feel like the answer might tie into each other, um, is at the end of the movie, um, Miles' dad calls him. And Spider, the new Spider-Man goes down there and hugs him and says, I love you. Mm-hmm. And he kind of hugs Spider-Man back. Mm-hmm. Do you think he knows who it is? I think at the very least they're setting it up for the next movie. Uh-huh. Um, I, th- I think so. Uh, I think the movie set it up that way, to where he at least has an idea. Uh, in answer to your first question, I mean, he's basically playing the part that pretty much any cop with a name in a Spider-Man movie has to play. Which is like, you know, yeah, I may like that he's cleaning up the streets, but it's vigilante justice and we don't do that, you know? Right. So, like, to me, that was a pretty, that was kind of an expected storyline for me. Because, uh... Well, what did you feel whenever he saw Spider-Man with his brother? 
See, I think that whenever he got angry at Spider-Man at that point, I think that was just if we're if we're ascribing this plot point to like a real life reaction. Um, I think that was just him being angry and reacting to that as opposed to thinking it through because I mean all he has to do is look down at his brother and be like oh this is that this is that crazy guy on the motorcycle who causes all those car crashes right yeah because I I didn't feel that he was ever like damn you spider-man but you still had that reaction at the end um a little bit but he saw spider-man kicking some major tail mm-hmm. right and he's totally rooting for Spider-Man in that massive battle moment. Yeah. When the portal is getting about to get shut down. Um, I honestly think he already knows that it's Miles. I think that he at least has an idea. I think he knows. Yeah. Yeah. Because how do you... Because, you know, they set up being like, I love the embarrassing moment when he takes him to school and he's over the mm-hmm. monitor in the cop car. Yeah. You have to say it back. Yeah. You have to say it back. Um, and just the kid, you know, kids, especially teenagers, I remember being like, why do I need to tell you I love you? You're embarrassing. Like, you know that you're my stupid parent. So I feel like, and also how would you not know your child's hug? Like Spider-Man jumps down there and hugs him. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think again, he at least has an idea. It's hard. It's hard for me to say, oh yes, this, because the movie doesn't doesn't specifically say it. Right, but I'm t- uh, what does your gut say? My gut says he at least has the idea. Okay. That's as far as my gut can really go. Oh, my, see, maybe I'm a seven-year-old. My gut's like, he knows, mm-hmm. he knows. Um, so Spider-Man, Spider-Man's dad, uh, Miles' dad, that's Brian Tyree Henry, who we just saw in Widows. Yes. Um, and Atlanta. Uh, and then Uncle Aaron was Marishala Ali. Mahershala. Mahershala. Mahershala Ali. Uh, I'm very sorry for my white pronunciation. I I just think he's great. And I can't oh. I can't wait to see him in True Detective. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I know, can't wait. I, I can't wait. Uh, I love Mahershala Ali. Like I just think he brings power but groundedness all at the same time. Yeah. And I love that they kind of made the dad look like him, too. A little bit, yeah. (laughs) And uh, I just think Mahershala is such a dynamic actor. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel that he just carries power around with him. Yeah. Just in the way that he is. Like, I don't think... I, I have a hard time imagining him as a weak... I don't think he could play someone measly. I've never seen him play a meek character before. Right. And not to say he doesn't have softness or or layers. Right. Um, but I love I mean gosh, again this this is also an attribute, you know, a tribute to the writing of this movie is just this the these characters weren't one-dimensional. He wasn't just an angry dad. And I don't want you to be a criminal. Yeah. You know, stop putting those stickers everywhere. It was a very, someone who loved this boy and wanted the very best for him. But most, first and foremost was love. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It was, the the relationships were just so clear and I loved it. I wanted more of the mom. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm hoping that in the next movie, because I think they're already planning a sequel. Okay. uh, I'm hoping in the next movie they give her more to do. Like even in the she's in the video game. 
Oh, she uh, is. Yeah. Okay. Spoilers for the video game. So you play as Miles every so often, uh, and then his uh, at one point Peter Parker teams up with his dad. Oh, cool! Uh, and his dad, his dad actually kind of saves the day, and he's getting a medal from the mayor. And then a terrorist attack happens, and his dad dies. <gasps> yeah. So, um, and then Miles, yeah, and Miles is there to see that happen. So, oh, that's what's gonna be the next movie, isn't it? I, I'm not sure because they've oh. already gone in a very different way too. But basically, Peter gets Miles like a volunteering gig at the homeless shelter that Aunt May runs in the game. And uh, Rio is a supporting character, and like you know, before you play as Miles, like you know, she'll be talking to him and everything, and she and like you know, it's a very it's a very developed relationship, just like we're talking about there. I say all this to say that I really hope that they give her more to do because the stuff that she does, and I can't remember who her voice actress is, but she did a fantastic job. Yeah, oh, I loved um, it. But the moments with Rio in this movie were great. Yeah, I I just think overall, I mean. To me, we've yet we've barely gotten off the characters, right? Mm-hmm. To me, this is a sign of a really good movie. Yeah, because we can't stop talking about people and their relationships. Who are you talking to? What are you fighting for? Right. And I just think it was just a really successful tale. I like. I don't even know what more to talk about other than go go see it because. Yeah. And again, we are talking as people who don't follow these comics like a religion by any means. Mm-hmm. And but I I liked it because it also felt like its own world. Yeah. Which is why very specifically I don't I've stopped connecting to stu- superhero movies because it feels like, you know, we have to be chummy and we have to be all these things and then we overcomplicate relationships. No, like let, let's talk to people and let's fight for something and yeah what a good movie does and I just I I just dug this and I dug that it took into account that not everybody is an old white dude and I thought that the writing was thoughtful and I thought the villains were actually scary there was risk one thing I wanted to mention uh, about Prowler and then we kind of got off track a little oh, bit oh heavens uh, so the music whenever Prowler was there there wasn't like a theme but there was a recurring like sound that mm. almost sounded like a horn or something like that uh, yeah. it was a synthesized sound it reminded me a lot of uh, Annihilation the music in Annihilation oh I can see that which by the way Annihilation uh, was listed as one of Barack Obama's favorite movies of the year really? yeah you should talk to you should call yeah. former President Obama and talk about it Hey Barry, I just want to talk <laughs> annihilation with you. Um, and I, and for me, I wish I connected more to that movie. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we don't have to go down the annihilation rabbit hole. Oh, that's a rabbit hole. Yeah. Um. So, at, uh, any fun IMDb facts that we haven't touched on? You know, I've interspersed a few of these in here uh, as we've gone. For one thing, this is already at. Uh, this is already on the IMDb top 250 movies. Wow. At number 29. Wow. Yeah. I know it's one of the highest grossing, um, that was like one of its facts. It's like already one of the highest grossing like animated movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know of like the year or what that specific stat is, but I, you know, I can totally see that. Like, I can totally see people seeing this more than once. Yeah. Oh, I, I really want to see this movie again. Yeah, I I I don't want to I don't want to go tomorrow. No, like but, but whenever whenever it's out on Blu-ray, VOD, something like that, we'll we'll watch it again. Yeah, I I was thoroughly entertained. Yeah, and like 
like like you said earlier, I think that if it went any longer, my eyes would have started getting exhausted. But like from yeah. a story perspective, I didn't want it to end. Yeah, like I want to go get our nephews and be like, yeah, let's go watch it. Let's watch this movie. Um, so yeah, I told that's cool. So IMDb, uh, this was Stanley's final voice role. Man, I also will say that they did a tremendous job of honoring Stanley. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, his voice role was always fun. His cameos are always really, really fun. But they did a Stanley quote and kind of, again, what was so powerful about Stanley is, gosh, it made being a nerd really cool. Yeah. And so thank you, Stanley, for, and again, they use the, for, for all of us realizing we're not the only ones. Yeah. And I thought that was cool. Um, let's see. John Mulaney, whenever he was doing his, uh, his lines, his recordings, uh, he, the producers encouraged him to have fun with it. Uh, so he started swearing a lot more. And then eventually he asked, like, wait a minute, what is this movie rated? And they're like, PG. So he had to start toning it back down again. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, I didn't catch this, but apparently whenever Miles first goes to Uncle Aaron's apartment... Uh, they're playing. Um, they're playing season two, episode one of Community, which is the episode where Donald Glover is in the Spider-Man pajamas. Hysterical! How great is that? Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, and I really liked the Uncle A. A. Ron character, which yeah. I kept wanting it to be A. A. Ron. Um, I really loved his character, which made his fall greater. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it was great storytelling. Great storytelling. Um, one thing I don't know if you saw this, but whenever they were in Times Square, some of the uh, some of the movies that they played, there was a fake Seth Rogen movie. I can't remember what the title was. I noticed that. And then there was a Bridesmaid sequel called Baby Shower. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. I would watch that. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> It'd be uh, such a disaster. Kristen Wiig, make that. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Oh, um, with uh, Lily Tomlin playing Aunt May. Uh, that keeps the run of all four theatrical Aunt Mays being Academy Award nominees. Wow. Yeah, Rosemary Harris uh, from the original trilogy, uh-huh. uh, Sally Field, mm-hmm. and Marissa Tomei, and Lily Tomlin. That's so cool. Uh, going through some here, a lot of it is a lot of it is like, you know, this person was rumored to be this. Like they say, Ice Cube was rumored to voice J. Jonah Jameson, which would have been pretty cool, but... Uh, but like that's not really that interesting of a fact. Sure. Um, in the video game, they basically turn Jane and Joe and a Jameson into Alex Jones, which is a little weird. Sure. Um, let's see here. We've talked about how big of a comic book geek uh, Nicholas Cage is. Um, oh, you know who voiced Kingpin? Liev Schreiber. I assumed as much when I saw in the credits that Liev Schreiber was in there. Mm-hmm. Man, that dude is scary. Yeah. And, and they, I like the way they did the kingpin in this too. He he almost looked like uh, the villain from Despicable Me, or the main character from Despicable oh, Me. Oh yeah, yeah, Drew. Yeah, I will say I'm not. I've sometimes back in the day I loved like to give a the the key villain a reason to be evil. Mm-hmm. Then I kind of got away from it because sometimes people can just be bad to be bad. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he was fighting so hard to see his family again because he royally screwed up from being so evil. Yeah. But that he chooses evil to get them back again. I just thought that was an interesting take on 
why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. But it grounded that character so deeply that it made him even scarier because he was willing to sacrifice the whole universe just to get the two of them back. Right. And that was the scary business. Um, they uh, did, it says in here, they do several visual recreations of scenes from the Spider-Man movies. I noticed. Uh, the upside down kiss from Spider-Man 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, the train stopping sequence from Spider-Man 2. Yep. Uh, the the dancing from Spider Man. I 3. believe Jordan. I believe you and I are the only two people in the theater that lost our minds. Oh, we we very much lost did. our minds because that's so iconically bad, mm-hmm. and no one I know like that. I mean, in our like little universe of people, none of us like really attribute that m- m- movie to anything and make fun of that dancing. So I thoroughly loved that. Yeah. Uh, apparently, originally, Penny was going to die along with her robot, but that was team, deemed too brutal for a kid's movie. It's, that would have been too brutal. Yeah. None of, I, I'm so glad, and again, friendly reminder, we're in spoiler territory, that none of the spider verses died. Yeah. I don't know what I would have done. And I feel like that would have really messed up. It would have been like some... Then Doctor Who would have had to come in and save the world because the, the space-time continue, like. I'm really glad they didn't screw up the space-time continuum. Yeah. I think that would have been too much. I, I will say, since we're talking about spoiler territories and characters dying, I loved the way they killed off Doc Ock. Where they were fighting on, like, because, you know, at the end of the movie, there are, like, trains and stuff like that just flying through yeah. from all different universes. And she comes up, and she's she's going towards them. And then Gwen Stacy's like, okay, everybody, be prepared. This is going to last a long time. And then the dump truck comes and just hits her and slides her away. And they're just like... Oh, that was short. Do you know what that reminded me of? What? Bird Box. Yeah, we would just watch Bird Box last night. Ooh, and uh, that's wow. that's where I'll leave that. Whoa. So we've uh, we've revisited Room and Bird Box. Well, we watched Bird Box for the first time. Room, if you haven't seen that. Room might be one of the best movies uh, I've ever seen. Brie Larson. Just everything about she, that movie. It's, it's heartbreakingly great. I'm pretty sure that is... As close to a perfect movie as I can possibly. Yeah, think and of. the book is great. Yeah, the I, book I, is I'd great. I'd like to read the book. And the book doesn't. The book is the book, but you can definitely. They're two different experiences. Yeah. And I actually listened to the book on tape, mm-hmm. and it was really good. Um, and then Bird Box, uh, starring Sandra Bullock. Yeah. To me, this is what Sandra Bullock should have won her Academy Award for. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not the Forrest Gump accent. No. Um, so with that all being said, um, some exciting news for this pot, this episode, we have a guest. We have a guest. We have a guest. Who's our guest? We have, uh, Daniel Evans is going to come and talk to us about being part of the edit- editing department oh, of really? Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. Really? Yeah. So, um, we've got that, uh, interview coming up and, um, which, you know, we, what Just I, so everybody knows, this is news to me, too. Yeah, I'm telling him right on the spot. I, and uh, I'm, of course, I'm sitting here like, wait, should I edit this in and should we put that in somewhere else? And now I'm just like, no, it'll be what it'll be. Yeah, it's a surprise. Yay. So stay tuned for that um, that interview with Daniel. Um, and kind of final thoughts for us? I mean, absolutely go see this movie. Um, like I said, the main criticism I have of it is the fact that the animation is a lot and it's a lot and especially they use if every you, color if you have if you have like vision issues the way that I do uh, it may be harder for you to latch on to but just go with it and I promise you it's worth it yeah 
Um, I, I totally agree. Go see this movie. There was a very young child sitting next to me. Mm-hmm. They were enraptured. Oh yeah, it was so great to see this movie in a room like with children and teenagers. Yeah, and ra- I mean, when these teenagers came in, they were rowdy. They were coming in seats like every which direction, and you're thinking, "Ooh, Lord, here we go!" Enraptured, and so I highly suggest seeing this too on the big screen. This isn't one I say wait for it to come to your house. I say go go see it and hear it how it was intended. Yeah, because it's a big movie. Apparently, like seeing it in 3D, and I can't remember if it's IMAX Ooh. 3D. I think it would be a lot, but like you know, I think that this is one where if you have if you have a natural affinity for 3D or IMAX or just any special presentation type movies and you you genuinely like doing that, I would say this is one worth seeing. Just be prepared that it's going to be a lot. It's a lot. And the um when the when the time continuum becomes a reality, it really gets wild. What what I have to do with movies like that, and I do this a lot with a lot of like superhero movies and CGI heavy movies or like movies with shaky cam, is I kind of have to divorce myself from uh from really like latching on to the specifics of what's happening in the background. I just look at it like it's just a bunch of colors, you know? Yeah, I can see that. So if I do that, then it's easier for me to see things like that. Like this didn't visually exhaust me. Like in the last fight, again, we talked about it. The animation is a lot, but I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. But in the last fight, it didn't like confuse me or exhaust me visually the way that a lot of like live action CGI movies do. Um, just because it was animated, so it's easier to accept the fact that, oh, I'm just looking at colors. You yeah, know? and I think what was great, too, is they really established it early on because the beginning almost feels like the like the opening of a, like a music video. Yeah. And so there's a lot going on. It really introduces you to a lot of the tropes that they're going to use throughout the movie. Uh-huh. So I appreciated that because my I really settled into this movie quickly. I actually settled into this movie more quickly than I did uh, Solo. Yeah. Solo, Solo Solo is visually kind of a hard movie to watch. It took me forever to adjust to how the crap that what the crap was going on there and then I um uh, or like when I watched um I'm trying to think of there's been a few movies this year that I just couldn't visually grasp onto. Um Annihilation not Annihilation Arrival was almost like that for me. Yeah, but you th- said that Arrival didn't do that to me. Well Mostly just because of the way that that cinematographer does things, uh, Bradford Young. And I think he's very talented, but he, he's also the one who did Solo. The way that he lights and colors things, or, and, or he composes his colors, uh, it's just something I have a hard time latching on to. I can see that. Because well, he uses a lot of darks. Yeah. To me, um, as far as this movie goes, I really adjusted very quickly to the color and how this, how the, this storytelling was going to be used. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really can't think of right now anything that I really just disliked in this movie. Yeah, there's a ton of characters, but they really give them a lot of space. The writing in this movie is very good. It's very good. And Miles goes through a very classic coming of age tale and coming of superhero age tale like this isn't they're not reinventing the wheel here but it's a very colorful and precise wheel and Mm -hmm. i it i appreciated it so much and i i i say definitely go see this movie and um yeah go see this movie and 
Um, stay tuned for our interview with uh, Daniel uh, with Sony Pictures. And I think that's it this week. All right. Well, then uh, we, we're not quite sure what the next episode is going to be, but uh, we are still confirming down plans. Life gets in the way. Yeah. Stay tuned. We've got lots of fun flashbacks coming in. Mm-hmm. And um, again, like we said uh, recently, it's award season. So stay tuned because we've got screeners coming in. Yes, so we're, we do. Um, we'll probably be sharing things that. We're in, we're in the theaters, but we didn't catch them, and maybe something that you don't know about, and it's time to seek it out, because it's award season, and maybe something exciting that got lost for you. It's dig deep for it. Yeah. All uh, right. Should we sign off? Yeah, let's sign off. Uh, I'm going to sign off first this time. Go for it. All right. I'm Jordan. And I'm Jess. And thanks for listening to this week's episode of Date Night at the Movies. Yes. Thanks so much, and stay tuned for Daniel Evans. Daniel Evans.